0: Welcome back. We have a really fun show for you. We are finishing up what we started last week, um, and the topic is basically is your broker making you broker. And this is always a heated, uh, often overly discussed topic. Julie and I talk about this topic probably once every six months or so, and we review this. Uh, because this is one of our top questions that we get from agents. A lot of new agents are always asking us, which, you know, how do I choose a broker? But we get most of our broker questions from people that are already in it. And it always happens around tax time or around the end of the year or the start of the year, those three times of the year, when people start really – agents start rising up to realize how much they've actually been paying. So, Jaleigh, welcome to today's podcast.
1: Yes, yeah, you're right. It is a timely subject that crops up at fairly predictable times throughout the year. So, another time I think That's is usually uh, you know, after Christmas before New Year's, very common time that people will look at switching, but certainly tax time is popular as well. So, we have to address it. This is what we do for these guys. So, I think it's an important yeah. uh topic.
0: And you know the the recurring theme amongst all the agents that we ever talk to, and this is true even with the topic producing agents is they don't know their numbers um and I'll give you an example just as it pertains to today's topic. You don't know how much you're actually paying your broker. you don't you probably have no clue because some of you guys, and I was just reading an email from somebody actually who said, "Well, my cap at my broker um this person was at a Remax brokerage, my cap is only sixteen or I'm sorry twelve thousand dollars a year." Well, that sounds good. But what they didn't, then later in a later paragraph, um, this gal went on to describe how every single transaction she does, and she's a good producer, like 50 or 60 per year, that she's charged uh, an addition off the top of every transaction she does, six percent, and that doesn't go away. So after she she's on, I think she said she was on a 70-30 split every year until she pays in her $12,000 cap and $12,000 cap on the surface sounds great, really does. But then she went on, goes on to explain, well, then she has a 6% um, royalty fee or whatever it was called off the top of every transaction. So it may not have been a Remax agent. It may have been somebody else. But you guys get the gist of it. So she was thinking, well, my cap is only $12,000. How is it that I paid my broker all this money last year? And I said, well, what else are they charging you? And then we, you know, I helped her figure it out, and she determined how much she really was paying. So based on her average commission, every time she sold a house, you know, she was paying thousands of dollars to the broker in addition to the cap. So if you added up how much she actually paid to her broker last year, the twelve thousand that she was thinking, well, that's my cap. You know, I paid in twelve thousand. But if you add in all the royalty fees that she paid with the, the uh, transactional volume she did, she actually paid her broker pretty close to fifty grand last year, and she had no clue because her mind was saying, well, my cap is only twelve thousand dollars. So some of you guys aren't realizing that you are actually paying your broker more than you think. It's not for me to tell you whether or not it's worth it or not, okay? It's not. You will make that determination whether or not it's worth it. But I'll tell you from, you know, frankly, having sold real estate for a long time and sold – Julie and I sold a crap ton of real estate, thousands and thousands of homes – um, I'll you guys will all pretty much agree, those of you have been in the business even just for a blink, will agree that most brokerages really are they're all the same. They're, they're, there's really no differentiator between one or the other. Now, again, I know some of you were, are going to be treating your brokerage uh, selection as some kind of lifelong commitment, and it's really not. You have to be thinking of yourself as a business owner. Um, and that's difficult because then you have to start making decisions based on numbers, not on emotions. But if you were to make your decisions based on numbers and not on emotions, and you're looking and you're to think like a business owner, and you're to think in terms of where is the situation going to, you know, what brokerage situation is going to result in me netting the most money then you can start making decisions that are not based on emotion. So making decisions based on because you like the office manager and that like is worth $50,000 is not a business decision. That's You're not being a business person. And, and here's where it gets scary. And here's the thing I need all of you just to take very seriously. Time passes faster than you can possibly imagine, especially in real estate years. <laughs> you know, I mean, your days are going to blend, your weeks, your months, your years are going to blend. And then you're going to wake up one day, and you're going to be older than you, know, you can even possibly imagine now, and you're going to have no money saved. Or you're not going to have enough money saved that you could ever comfortably stop working. So you might not be able to sell real estate full-time anymore because you can't stand the hustle, you know, but you're going to have to work at Home Depot, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not criticizing that, okay? I'm really not. What I'm trying to explain to you is the culmination of the little decisions you make as pertains to your finances, now mean massive differences for your future, and not just your future, but the future of your children, your grandchildren. You know, you have to think like a business person, not like you're joining some country club or joining some sort of little you know, uh, support group. This is a business decision when it comes to choosing a broker, and that's the reason I thought, even though I know it's a little salacious, You know, at the end of the day, is your broker making you broker? Have you made a bad decision, or are you considering making a bad decision about who your broker is going to be? Now, here's something that Julie and I always catch a lot of shit every time we do this topic, because brokers don't like us talking about this, because they want us to stay agnostic. They don't want real estate coaches to have an opinion on uh, brokerages. But, you know, as Julie and I have made it clear many, many times thousands of times, read our best-selling book on Amazon. The new one comes out on June uh, 2nd or 3rd, I believe. Pre-orders already have it slated to be a best-seller. It's called Harris Rules. But we are Julie and I are 100% focused on um, basically what's best for agents. It's our firm belief that the best brokerages in the world are in the agent business, not in the consumer business. That's the reason I'll give you for example, and we did a couple podcasts on this, um, you know, uh, Gary Keller, who I think everyone will agree has been probably the most influential person in uh, real estate for at least the last 20 years. He is no longer, in his own words, in the real estate agent business. He's now in the consumer business. That worries me if I were an agent at Keller Williams, for example. okay, I'm just giving you a for example. So you need to be thinking about where you, where your financial – Uh, goals and ambitions align the closest and then those are the business that's the business framework in which you need to think the point I was trying to touch on earlier is for the most part once you start getting some momentum in your real estate business you will realize the consumers do not care what brand you're with you again I know if you're new you're gonna argue with this in your head because you don't know any better but once you start selling houses you're gonna realize that people are doing business with you you're the brand not the broker you're the reason that someone you know, thinks to call you to sell the house. They're not saying – like if you were – again, I know this is weird thinking for a new agent, but anyone who's been in the business, you know as well as I do. If you were to pull your last 10 closings, ask those buyers or sellers who your broker, your broker was, most of them won't know. And you know what? That's the way it's always been. Because people do business with people. They don't do business with a broker. Now, I'll, here's where it's changed. An older generation of people, and I don't even know where that age cutoff is now. Honestly, it's older. They're going to be brand loyal. So there's a generation that came even before the baby boomers, even before Julie and I's generation. Um, you know, we're not a baby boomer. What are we, Julie? Generation X? Yeah. That There's a generation that's older than the baby boomers that are brand loyal, um, but everyone younger than those folks, they're not brand loyal. They don't care. They'll choose to do business with uh, an individual, not necessarily even giving a damn what the brand is or even knowing. So hopefully that thought will liberate a lot of you from your misconceptions about maybe choosing a broker that's not necessarily going to be in perfect alignment with your financial ambitions. Because I want you guys to remember, the business you're in, yes, is basically buying and selling houses and helping consumers and all that, but your product is profit. And if you're not making buttloads of profit – Boatloads of profit on every transaction, you're not running a very efficient business. And the worst thing that some of you have been led to believe is that you can run a marginally unprofitable or profitable business with hopes that someday in the future you're going to have enough money coming from your cash flow. That isn't the way it works in real estate. And if you're running a business, if you're running your own individual real estate practice with no margins, you're making an enormous mistake. And yes, I'm speaking to you, team uh, owners, and all the rest of it. By the way, we're going to have, um, I, didn't, I didn't tell you this, Julie. Steve Murray hmm. from Real Trends is going to be back on the podcast I believe in the uh, next 60 days. Yeah, he and Steve's a great going to be sh- he does. And Steve's going to be sharing some of the numbers, the real drill down numbers on how really frankly, if, like he sent me an email, he asked, "What do you want to talk about?" I said, "I want to talk about how unprofitable teams and brokerages are." That's right in his wheelhouse because he runs all the numbers. I think in the nation he's considered to be the foremost, you know, essentially um, leader of those types of conversations because he's involved in mergers and acquisitions of big brokerage brands. And I know he. last time we had him on the podcast, he was just starting to uh, help sell some teams. And the, 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 there's no money in it, really, at the end of the day. So look, guys, open your but mind to we're talking about. He's very transparent about
1: that, and he's, I like how clear he is about that, not just because he's read articles about it, but because he's in it and he's involved in it. So I really look forward to that podcast.
0: Yeah, well, I really always like it because he's one of the only – there's a few of us now, but there's only a handful of us that actually talk about the insanity of this big team model, even the, the medium team model. Yeah, truth, right? There's only a few of us that talk about how unprofitable being a broker is. So many of you guys will think, well, I'm going to be a successful agent, then I'm going to decide to be a broker. Well, Guess what? That's probably a bad idea because you're a successful agent. Does not necessarily mean you'll be a successful broker. And even if you're a successful broker, you're only going to make about a 3% net margin. Does that really, and that's before your personal taxes and uh, personal expenses? Does that sound like your recipe for success? Whereas if you can run an agent, uh, uh, you know, an agent business, if you're just focused on taking listings, you can run 75 to 80% margins if you're using Julie and I's business model. I, I don't know why the hell you'd ever want to be a broker, thinking that somehow you're gonna have all these agents running around making money for you. Well, guess what? Three percent or less margins tells you right, right there what how you know. Frankly, unprofitable being a broker has become. But that isn't today's topic. Today's topic is specifically for agents and agents who are wanting to decide whether or not they want to, you know, choose a broker that's going to be a good fit for the long run, whether they want to move away from the broker they're with. And so we wrote down these ten questions, these ten thoughts, that I want all of you guys to write down and take into consideration. You might be happy as a uh, you know, clam right now in your situation, but you want to remember these questions so that you can maybe balance out future decision-making. Because remember, guys, you are in this business not to be, you know, become part of a club or not to become part of a social circle, you're in this business to make a profit. And if you're not making lots and lots of profit, why are you in the business? Why are you doing this? Why are you sacrificing your nights and your weekends? Why are you taking time away from your family unless you're making lots and lots of profit? Again, that's what our coaching program is all about, focusing you guys in on the whole Insanity of the business and how to avoid it, so that you can be rich where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. So we wrote down these ten points. We're going to go through these relatively quick because I'm hoping to make this not have to be a three-parter. So point number one: How to know when it's time, or you know, again, frame these in your own situation. But how to know when it's time to stay or go from your current brokerage? And the first point is obvious, or it should be: Your personal income has been flat or in decline. I'm going to vamp on this just just a smidge. So some of you. Are the top producers in your office? And uh, to do that, it took very little, and that is allowed. That's caused your ego to become more dominant in your decision making than the amount of money that you make, right? You are not making business decisions. So if you are finding yourself to be the top agent in your whatever brokerage you're with, chances are you need to move because you need to be around people that are thinking better than you. So question one is: Your personal income been flat or in decline? And obviously. I'll go as far as to say if your income has been flat or in decline, it's probably not your broker's fault. It's probably your fault for the lack of activities you're doing uh, as pertains to earning money and learning how to be a listing agent. Point number two is one I just made. If you're the best agent in your office, chances are you need to move. You need to go to where you're going to be swimming. Look, being a big fish in a small pond always always results in complacency. Always results in you no longer improving. So go to some place that's going to be a greater challenge to you. Some of you, just by switching your brokerage situation, will. Immediately take yourself to a different level because you're surrounded by people that are thinking bigger and your internal competitive juices will start firing on high again. And you'll find yourself thinking bigger, acting bigger, getting your shit together, doing things that maybe, you know, at your old broker, nobody ever goes after a for sale by owner. But at the new broker, you might find that everyone goes after Fizbo's. And finally, because you're going to be, you know, in a pressured environment where people are being ultra competitive, you're going to start doing better yourself and you're then going to snap yourself into the next level and start building momentum at a higher point. And remember, guys, the whole point of this is not just to sell houses or do units or build a team. It's to make lots of profit. Point number three, okay, this is an important one. Well, Tim, let me, me, you, let me
1: jump in and hover on that just for a second because you, whenever you're talking about that point, about being the best agent in your office, I always wonder, you know, we were secretly blessed with the office that I think that we – kind of came across because it was convenient at the time and, you know, there were a lot of good things there, but there were only at our original office, maybe 12 or 15 agents and probably five of them were doing close to a hundred deals, including our broker. And we, I know, I thought that was just kind of normal. It's like, what are you exposed to? What is normal for your office? Is negativity normal for your office and nobody ever shows up and everybody just kind of says I'm waiting for the market to shift or is it normal to go on a listing appointment a day? I choose the second one because that's a lot more fun. But I also appreciate that we had a little bit of ignorance was bliss back then, and not everybody knows that that can be normal, and then it's not normal to go feast and famine, or it shouldn't be. So anyway, I was just having a flashback. Of well, that but was that, no,
0: about. that's a really good point, though, Julie, because, look, when Julie and I were in our early 20s, as a lot of you know, we sold over 100 houses. We broke all. This is in the early 90s. It's still, but that record, from what we've been told, is still holding today. So no one before, no one after, has done what we did. And what Julie said is so true because we did not know any different because we are surrounded by excellence. When you go into that office. There was a listings board where you'd write, it's in the you know, back by the coffee maker, but you'd write down when you took a new listing, and that little competitive environment was fun. As as new agents walking in there and being able to write down when we took a listing and being amongst all those other agents that were grizzled veterans and just took listings as a normal course of action, that made us feel great and we wanted more of that. And that did have a psychologically influ- positively influential effect on our uh, our first year success and all the years that followed. So that does matter. It is a huge point. All right, point number uh, two, which or whatever point we're on, where are we? Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, Julie said this. Your, your colleagues or, or the brokerage in general are too negative. That's definitely going to be something that the problem with that environment is that you probably have already been sucked into it and you don't know it, and you probably need to have somebody snap you out of it. So the easiest way for you to do that is for you to snap yourself out of it is go on a complaint-free – like, make, yours, make it so that today, tomorrow – you, know, you cannot complain about a single thing, and if you find yourself going through physical pain of not being able to complain, then you're going to realize how frequently you are complaining. Complainers love complainers, and if you stop being a complainer, the complainers will stop talking to you because what they do is the complaints and the general bitching and moaning is essentially a group support system for apathy and laziness. So people who bitch and complain never are successful. It just is impossible. It's like I've never met a rich skeptic. I mean, those two things just do not coincide. So if you're finding yourself in an office where you know it's too negative, and maybe you don't know if it's too negative or not, maybe you just become one of the complainers. Maybe you've become a negative person, and no one's told you because all the other people around you are negative. Here's what I want you to do: stop complain. Just stop yourself from complaining about. Even if you have a right to complain, don't complain about shit for the next like two or three days, and notice how frequently you catch yourself about to complain and you're going to see that some of you are complaining like you know every third word and then when you start breaking that mold down then what's going to happen if you stop complaining is you're going to then see how negative that influence has been if you're always complaining about something what's the likelihood of you doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level what's the likelihood of you living a life of service where your highest and truest purpose on this planet is being of service to other people zero answer my own question. So there's your little internal coaching dialogue that you all need to try to have that have with yourself. Point number four, Julie, and we don't need to vamp on this, it's self evident, but you can read it. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's right. Point number four, your brokerage requires you to attend, requires you to attend too many mandatory meetings and other time consuming non dollar productive activities. You guys know who you are, so stop doing that. Point number five chances
0: are, your broker well, off- I mean <laughs> Yes. The chances are, uh, like, uh, the worst at this are Keller Williams. That's just horrible, honestly. Just really, guys, at the end of the day, if you're being forced to attend a bunch of meetings um, and about team building and morale and how to build your brand and your logo and all that crap, you've got to realize that that is just going to make you broke. That is not what you should be doing. That's not the highest and best use of your time. Um, by the way, some of you guys don't know what the highest and best use of your time is, and so what, we're, what I've arranged is today 15 of you can have a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches, and all you've got to do is text the word HARRIS, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996, text the word HARRIS, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996, and when you do, we're going to, you're going to be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches, but we're also going to give you six free books. These are digital books. We're not mailing you books. And you're gonna be given those links and you can download them. The one I want you to download the first the first, the one I want you to download first is the real estate treasure map. That's your fill in the blank business plan. You absolutely wanna get this done. And on your new member coach call, what you're gonna be doing is talking to somebody about your lead generation wheel. So that is really something all of you need to do if you've not done it, text the word Harris, H A R R I S to three one nine nine six. So point number five, Julie.
1: Yes, your broker or office manager shoots down every idea that isn't 1970s traditional real estate. The broker offers no tech support or has no added value for you being an agent with their office. I've been to some of these offices before. (laughs) I used to, you know, some of the title companies used to be like this. The the tell was, if it wasn't just real estate, they were like doing all kinds of other weird things and real estate on the side. Uh, if their contracts were written on a typewriter, <laughs> you know, like some of these brokers don't barely have a smartphone, and if they do, they don't know how to use it. So what use are they to you anyway, right? So you have to ask yourself where's the value, and, and especially for tech stuff. So point number six, your broker point takes number a six. cut out of ev- every source of income, yeah. including BPOs, home warranties, processing fees. They take a cut out of everything, even stuff that's not technically a commission. Back to you.
0: That's gross to me, and at our recent event um, in Austin, we had – that was actually a real eye-opener for me because a lot of you don't realize that when you write American Home Shield warranty or whatever, when you add that to the contract, American Home Shield warranty pays a commission. And I I imagine there's some state regulations that I'm not privy to, but it will pay you a commission. So that should be non – that's not a commission that you should have to share with your broker okay so i want you to remember that when you're writing a home warranty on the contract american home shield warranty whatever company you're using (coughs) they pay i don't even know what the commission is nowadays 75 or 95 dollars if that money's not going to you it's going to your broker did you know about that maybe you didn't and i'll tell you the other thing and this one i find really offensive to be honest with you bpos so agents you do not and should not have to share any portion of your bpo money with your broker that makes absolutely no sense So if you're in a situation where you find yourself in either one of those situations, then you need to probably switch because that's a broker that's reaching a little bit too deep in your pocket, and um, frankly, that is not a situation that you want to be attached to long term because they are going to end up making you broker. That's the title of today's show, and the same goes with processing fees. These ideas are all, and these concepts are all state-dependent, so just keep that in mind you don't know what a processing fee is, but some agents will charge a commission and they'll charge a processing fee on top of that. In some states, it's perfectly legal um, and that money should transfer directly to the agent, not have to share it with the broker. It's not a commission. It's not part of the listing contract. Point number se- uh, seven, your broker offers no support or help beyond transactions. Okay, that's self-evident. Point number eight, you don't feel challenged or your broker is filled with uh, complacent people. We have touched on that as well. That is a big point. If you're look, guys, the people you surround yourself with, I don't there's been a whole bunch of psychological studies on this, but essentially your what is it, Julie, your five nearest friends and contacts have the greatest influence on you. And so if every day you're around people that are not motivated the reason you guys listen to this podcast, let's be honest. You listen to this podcast because you know you're attached to Julie and I. You know you're attached to hopefully what you agree, well you would you obviously agree you wouldn't be listening, is a way of thinking that's gonna help you elevate your business and your personal life. That's the reason you're attached to us. And by the way, when we meet you in real life, we are exactly like this. (laughs) You know, this is Julie and I. who we are. (laughs) You've been warned. You know, you are attached to us because we are helping you to feel more alive. Isn't that it? In essence, we're making you feel a certain way and you want more of that feeling. Well, I want you to be in a broker that's going to reinforce that, not tear that down. And a lot of brokers do that. A lot of brokers' favorite thing to say is, no, can't do that here. That's the way we do things. Forget you, buddy. My job is to help people and make money. Your job is to support me, and if you're not supporting me, bye-bye. Okay, there you go. How about that? There's your script for leaving, by the way. Okay, now these last two points are really important, and these last two points are only relevant because EXP, frankly. Okay, the next one I want you to write down, and I want you to remember this, is if the old way of thinking is how much are you paying your broker? How much are you paying your broker in royalty fees? How much are you paying your broker in commission splits? How much are you paying your broker in caps, right? How much are you paying your broker for office space or per transaction fees? That's the old way of thinking. The new way of thinking is how much is your broker paying you? How much is your broker paying you is my point number nine, and that is in um, revenue share. I'm sorry, in uh, in equity. For example, does your broker do – you, are you actually an owner in the company, simply put? Are you able to get – Stock in the company as part of doing transactions, and there's only one company I know that does that. And it's the reason we, you know, frankly, I think it's probably the best opportunity for agents that there's been in the last 20 years. It's the XP Realty, and they will give you uh, publicly traded. Their, their tr- uh, ticker sim- symbol is X uh, X uh, E X P I, trades on Nasdaq. You can. Um, I'm not going to go into the meat and potatoes of it, but the gist of it is, is that you can uh, be rewarded stock. For selling houses, you can reward stock for sponsoring agents. you can reward stock when the agents you sponsor you know sell a house there 's so many different ways that you can get stock. I know people we 've interviewed them on this podcast. You guys can listen to some of the superstar interviews we do. Most of the superstar agents in the country are migrating towards EXP because of the fact that the conversation now is about what is your broker paying you, not what your broker, not what you 're paying your broker and The last point I wrote down this is really important. Is does your broker offer any kind of opportunities with regards to revenue share? And revenue share, and once you understand how revenue share works—not profit share, but revenue share—once you understand specifically how EXP's revenue share works, you will never go back to thinking the way you think now with regards to essentially, you know, how much are you paying your broker? Revenue share and uh, some of the other things that EXP offers are some of the single best opportunities for individual agents. To get ahead in their real estate careers, but financially get ahead to the point where they actually have an exit plan or a retirement plan. I going to end today 's podcast, so I want to tell you guys a story and this is a very true story um, I'm going to tell a condensed version of the story. Julie and I have been married for almost thirty years this year. okay We met in high school <laughs> all right so we 're from Ohio, and um, we always had <clears throat> a shared goal. Um, making it someday, so we were rich, and our though our thoughts were as, were not as formulated as they are now as to what rich meant, we knew we wanted to make it so that we had enough passive income so one day we wouldn 't have to work anymore because the you know in our in our modeling our the rent from our positive cash flow from our rental properties would produce enough income so we could just live off that income, okay? So, you know, that was always our true north. Julie and I always focused all of our decision-making around whether or not we we're accumulating more rental properties because we wanted to retire, and effectively, by the time we were in our early 40s. Now, by the time we were in our early 40s, we had accomplished the goal. We had accumulated enough rental properties. We'd accumulated enough positive cash flow from the rental properties that if we chose to, we could stop working completely, but here's what we discovered, that the, and here's what I'm telling all of you, and I want all of you guys to listen to what I'm saying because it's the absolute truth. When I look back to the 30 years at that point when Julie and I gotten to that point, it was like, you know, what, 22, 23 years that we've been married, and I look back at all the sacrifice – that Julie and I had to make in order to find, accumulate, you'd pay for. I mean, Julie and I were paying cash for a lot of these rental properties. Or we had to pay them off. You know that, Because remember, our goal was to live off the cash flow. So in order to live off the cash flow, you had to have cash flow. In order to have cash flow, you have to have the damn things paid off. Otherwise, you're not going to make any money on them. Buying a rental property that in 15 or 20 years will be paid off from the tenant paying it down. Uh, and you're only making 100 bucks on it. That's what most of you are doing. That, to me, is dumb. Because all it's going to take is the tenant being vacant or some problem with the house that you're going to have to pay out of pocket. And now that rental property is actually in the negative, which, look, I get it. Some of you, that is what you have been led to believe. That's what I was led to believe was an acceptable risk. But I'm telling you right now, and Julie and I are on the other side of this bridge. We've done what many of you hope to do with accumulation of rental properties. I'm telling you that I don't think it's worth the hassle and the risk. I'm telling you from a personal perspective of someone who's done it, Julie and I have accumulated millions of dollars in rental properties, I would not do it again. Okay? We own all of them. They're in our trust. They're gone. They're they're basically there. They're our retirement plan. I wouldn't do it because of the sacrifice that we had to have in our personal lives to accomplish that. What do I mean by that? Well, when you're trying to accumulate two and three and four rental properties per year, that means that you're not going to be doing other things with that same money. You're not going to be going on as many vacations. You're not going to necessarily be you know, having a, as many kids as you would like to have had. You're not going to necessarily be, you know, those types of experiences are going to have to be weighed out with the idea that you're going to have a bunch of paid off rentals so that you don't have to work anymore. You know, that was what, how we thought. Julie and I come from humble beginnings. Nobody gave us a help up. You know, We had lots of help up. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I mean, you know, We did, but no one gave us any money. We weren't born with a silver spoon. There were, there we did not come from millionaires. I came from basic working poor people, and Julie came from school teachers. Okay? So we learned what we learned along the way on our own, and we, the only way we knew how to get to the point where we would someday be rich, where our money is working for us, where we no longer had to work for our money, was rental properties. So that's what we did. That's what many of you are doing. And what I'm here to tell you is I think that's actually an obsolete way of thinking. And this is coming from somebody who's forty nine years old and who that's been his North Star financially forever. So listen to what I'm telling you because I, I do believe it's the truth. And the reason I think that it's an obsolete way of thinking is quite simply because the EXP's revenue share plan. For the amount of time and energy and money and sacrifice it took Julie and I to accumulate enough passive income so that we could just live off our rental property portfolio. Just through the revenue share program with eXp, we could accomplish the goal in less than a year. Same amount of money took 20 years. You guys can accomplish it with a little bit of focus and dedication, depending on what your goal is, in less than a year. These are one of these, like, this is like, when you're listening to me, I know you guys trust us, I know you guys have fondness for us, I know some of you guys love us, and I know some of you guys right now are incredibly skeptical because of what I'm telling you makes you uncomfortable. I understand because I felt that way, too, until we studied it, until we understood it, until we saw what the opportunity was, and then once we got through those learning hurdles… Then I had to tell everyone about it. Then I had to tell all of our podcast listeners and all of our coaching clients about it. And when I started doing that, what I started realizing was is thousands, if not millions of people, or, well, probably not millions, but you guys get the idea, thousands at least are EXP curious because there's so many people that are wanting to accomplish the same goal that Julie and I have accomplished, but they're realizing what an exercise in futility it is. They're realizing, holy shit, this is too much work, too much sacrificing, t- sacrificing time My family, too much sacrificing things I'd much rather be doing with my life, and I'm getting older, and my wealth isn't accumulating, and I don't see that having a bunch of paid off rental properties is going to get me to the point where I don't have to work anymore. Well, these are the thoughts that all of you need to be having as business owners because your business itself isn't worth anything. Your real estate practice is not worth a damn thing. You're never going to sell it. So forget that idea. The only way you get rich ultimately is if you have profit in your real estate business. And with that profit, you reinvest that profit into things that make you profit. That's the, that's the path that we followed. But this new way where you could start doing the revenue share with eXp is much quicker. And here's the other thing. When you start sponsoring agents – and you start seeing that uh, that group multiply like i 'll give you an example. I have a friend named Nicole. Nicole sponsored thirteen agents. Nicole makes <clears throat> sixteen thousand dollars a month from her revenue share program and uh, from her revenue uh, her team and that number is only going to increase because the total number of people in her revenue share group are increasing every single month, so she will never make less than sixteen thousand dollars most likely the rest of her life and it only took her. Uh, sponsoring 13 agents to get to the point where she was making $16,000 a month in uh, cash flow. For her to do that with rental properties, it, I calculated it out. It would cost at least, it would take at least 4 to $4.5 in cash for her to produce that same result in t- uh, traditional in, uh, investments. And How long is it going to take her to accumulate 4 to $4.5 in cash? How long would it take you? Most of you will never do it. It would take you 2 Three, four, five lifetimes, right? That's the reason this eXp revenue share thing, that's the reason everyone's so excited about it. That's the reason everyone's talking about it. That's the reason eXp is the fastest growing real estate company in the history of real estate companies. That's the reason that I am morally obligated to tell you about it because it is a way forward that I, Julie and I didn't have at our fingertips That we have to tell all of you about because our job, our mission, just as it is, is your mission and your job, is to ease the pathway forward for those that come after you. That is your moral obligation. At least that's the way I was raised. So, look, there's a really great way, easy way for you to learn about eXp. It's totally painless, no obligation whatsoever. All you've got to do is text the letters, text the word EXP to 31996. And you're going to be sent a, a video back. It's only seven minutes. You can watch that video. It'll answer all the questions you have about EXP. So text the word EXP to 31996. If you want to talk with me directly, I want you to email me, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. I believe with uh, every, the essence of myself – And Julie feels the same way, that this is probably everyone who's listening, your last greatest opportunity in your professional life. Now, if you're in your 20s, forget what I just said, you're probably going to have some other ones. But for the rest of us, (laughs) this is your last greatest opportunity, what I just proposed to you, to actually create some significant um, passive income so that you can one day be rich where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. This is probably your last greatest opportunity. You're not going to have anybody pass away and leave you a bunch of money. Ed McMahon is not going to knock on your door. You're not going to have um, you know, a winning lottery ticket. You're not going to have an IPO. None of those things are going to happen. For you to actually <clears throat> get to the point where you're rich, you're going to have to do it yourself. <clears throat> the probability of you doing it with rental properties, as I've already shared with you, is about zero. So what other paths, what other ways? How else could you do it, if that's assuming that's your goal, to be free? If your goal is to be free, I want you to seriously consider what we're talking about. So text the word EXP to 31996. If you want to communicate with me directly, which I know a lot of you will, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. So guys, listen, our podcast went obviously long today. This is a topic that I'm finding myself to be more and more emboldened about because I'm finding more agents who are thankful in sending me these emails that are so emotional describing how, you know, because they're involved with eXp, they're making 3000 5000 7000 passive through the revenue share program every month and how it's changed their lives. That, to me, is reinforcing the path that I'm on with all of you, and also that they're on with themselves. This is a way forward that many of you will never have if it weren't for this opportunity, so please consider at least looking into it. Watch that seven-minute video. No strings attached. Just text the word EXP to 31996. If you want to talk to me directly, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.